Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. You know, take a moment to be appreciated. We talk about the politics all the time, but what's beautiful about independent uh, black talk radio. Can they hear me yet, Jordan? Are we good? Oh, hello. Hello. Nobody's talking back. I hear me. Oh, there we go. It was on my end. No worries whatsoever. I don't know if your camera's on. I can't see you just yet. Hold on. Let me. Technical difficulties. Give me one more second. Oh, no. It's the, it's the new there normal. It's the new normal. I like to say, if, if somebody doesn't talk while their mic is on mute, we haven't had a real Zoom meeting. <laughs> At least one time. Somebody starts, you know. I'd like to think two or three, however many years in we're at this point. <laughs> still learning. Still learning. Okay. Greetings, my good sister. Um, If you could just uh do a brief introduction of yourself and get into a great conversation. And it's a wonderful way to kick off the show, if you don't mind. All right. So I'm uh, Courtney Cruz. I'm the Senior Vice President of Government Markets at Independence Blue Cross, um, and I have the honor and pleasure of supporting our Medicare beneficiaries, so our seniors. And I, I call them my AAR peeps, affectionately. Yeah, AAR peeps. <laughs> now, I, I want to start talking about all the great things that the company does, but I know a lot of people, especially in this demographic, you know, as we approach an election cycle, you know, they have concerns for the stability of the care that's provided to them. So although they might love what they're getting, oftentimes what I hear from this, this community is that they want to feel secure in the continuance of, of said provision. So if you could just talk a little bit about the future, you know, and for some of my younger listeners, right? A lot of people don't even know the difference between Medicare, Medicaid, right? So maybe if, if we could take a couple steps back and then bring everybody up to that point that I started from. Okay, we can All do right. that. Sounds good. Sounds good. So I'll do the couple of steps back. So there are various federal programs out there who support that support individuals to get access to affordable health care. Um, one of them um, is Medicaid, uh, and that is income-based if you hit uh, meet certain uh, income levels, you are eligible for Medicaid. The another is Medicare. And to be eligible for Medicare, it is primarily age-based, not only age-based. There are certain um, instances, for example, if you are dis- disabled, where you could be eligible for Medicare, but it's primarily for individuals who are 65 and older. Okay. Okay. Um, and now you could be both. You could be both 65 and older and low income. Um, and that's something called dual eligible where you have both Medicare and Medicaid. Mm. Um, but, you know, for a lot of our seniors, um, they're on Medicare. They know that red, white and blue card um, that they have. Okay. And in, ter- okay. in terms of the, the political component and the concerns. Yeah, the political component and the longevity. What I would say is. Um, you know, I know that there are concerns about how long is Medicare going to continue to be around? Mm-hmm. Um, one, I would say, and I, this is just a fundamental vote. Right? I hear you. No, no, yeah, yeah. We need to take that step back, right? <laughs> I have to take that M- Moonwalk on that one, did you? Yes, yes. <laughs> there are a few things more important uh, as a citizen of this country mm-hmm. um, than voting, right? Local elections as well as federal elections, they are all important. And if anybody tells you otherwise, then they, they, they don't have the full picture in view. 
Um, we, you know, just went through the mayoral election cycle. Well, the presidential election coming up for the next cycle, voting is always important because those are the individuals that make our laws, make our policies, decide what budgets are going to be, pick our judges. There's nothing more important than you could do to vote. So if you're a senior and you're concerned about the longevity of Medicare, and Lord knows seniors vote more than Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of them might not have been voting when they were younger, but, you know, they, this, people this learn. We get wiser. This is true. Um, and so that with that, make sure your friends, your family, your grandkids, if they can, uh, they're, age, they're, they're uh, of the right age, that they're out there and they're voting too. Um, and, and then I would say, you know, I think that um, both Democrats and Republicans have a concerted interest in keeping Medicare alive because seniors vote. Um, and no one wants that, that headline that shows that they were the one to erode um, Medicare benefits. Mm-hmm. On their watch, so, right? Right. You'll often, you'll hear one or two outliers kind of touch on potential, potentially changing it. But by and large, most individuals, in particular those individuals that are interested in becoming president, know that it's a very hard hurdle to get there if you tick off your senior constituents. Mm-hmm. And cutting Medicare is a key way to do that. Political third um, rail, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I, I, and then I would just say, you know, as we watched uh, Medicare evolve, I know there's been concerns on how long the, you know, the solvency, sometimes they call it, they call it how long we'll be able to fund and afford Medicare, particularly as boomers mm. are now, you know, eligible and aging through Medicare. Um, but if anything, we've seen that kind of taper off. Um, and we've seen some of the positive trends on Healthcare, um, you know, smoking cessation, all of these things do show up in the data and show up in how our dollars are spent. Um, and so, you know, I, I think there's less worry about that. I think the most important focus is to make sure you are signing up for Medicare when you should be, that you've got a plan that is going to fit your healthcare needs and keep you healthy. It's really about you as an individual. That would be my primary concern if I was a senior. Now, on a more personal note, in terms of this bigger picture that you articulated, and I definitely have a confession to make. I was definitely one of those people in my past life that did not have that big picture. And it was more like, a, what do they call those things? Kaleidoscopes. You know, when you got that. <laughs> With all the colors. <laughs> yeah, and it's a real narrow vision, right? It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a jumbled, confused, yet very narrow vision, right? So so you can compare mine to a, a kaleidoscope. And, and you'll usually only one eye at a time. It wasn't like one of those Viewmasters where you put your, yeah. your face. It wasn't even like that. At least you get two eyes in there. I had the kaleidoscope thing going because I had been so thoroughly misinformed, right? There's so much misinformation about, you know, the real impact of voting, the difference between national and local elections. So when you're approaching that age, that voting age is when you're bombarded with misinformation that's actually attached to your identity where people don't feel like they're rebellious or they're black or they're self-determined if they cooperate with the system in such a way that could bring about self-determination and more agency Uh, in the process. And it's Uh, a real game being played. So I'm not really like saying that I really did something wrong. I'm saying I fell victim to a really sophisticated. Your your vote doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You're just, he's, that's the man that they're both, right? They're both the same. What's the point in voting for one versus the other? Um, Outcome's going to be the same. Um, 
I think the, the only thing I would share, I'm a big believer of change both from within and without. Okay. Um, and if we think about the civil rights movement, for example, you had your Malcolm X's and you had your Martin Luther King's. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that we would have gotten where we did if we didn't have both. Agreed. So there is nothing wrong with driving change from within. You need, you might need your catalyst externally too, but you got to lose, use every single lever that is available to you. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought that's what by any means necessary meant. I meant I thought any meant any. <laughs> but when I talk when I talk to people, they're any. You know, they they got they throw their kaleidoscope on. When I start I start quoting Malcolm, and now they don't want to go to the polls with me. I say, wait, wait. What is- the only other thing I would say is, if you think your vote doesn't matter, why are they spending so much money on political advertising? Yeah, historically, right? Like the the effort and energy level of spend. Yeah. on both local, state, and federal uh, campaigns. Um, and every year it gets higher and higher. They would not be spending that much money if your vote didn't matter. How do you stay patient and pragmatic? Because on one end, whoever wins, you have to work with them, right? So there's a certain level of extreme uh, ideology and fundamentalism that you can't even entertain because you have to be balanced enough to move an agenda forward for the benefit of a large amount of people, regardless of political difference. So let's start with that first. Just talk to me about the the patience that's required to have this level of pragmatism. Yeah, I think first you have to understand where your lines sit, right? Where where do, where where are the where are the spaces you're willing to negotiate versus the spaces that are the no, right? Mm-hmm. The non-negotiables. <laughs> the non-negotiables. So, you know, I, I think that's an important piece. So when you're walking in the room, you know where you stand, where you stand from, and you're consistent with it. So others know mm-hmm. when they're approaching you where you stand as well. I think that helps tamper down some of the nonsense. You don't even make certain and, offers, right? Right. And then hopefully you're coming from a place where um, if you're working with someone where maybe you have some policy differences, you can all agree on certain fundamentals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the right to vote, the right to have access to quality health care, children, right? Mm-hmm. The kids are usually an easy one where everyone can agree we want to have safe, healthy uh, schools and environments for our children to grow up in. Um, you know, th- those, if you can find some fundamental spaces where you can agree, then that's something you can then build from. And in my humble opinion, right, as a historian, I work at Temple University in the Department of African yeah. and African American Studies. These are the lessons of history that we do need to move forward into this next phase of activism and civil rights, right? Because we don't usually get the pragmatism. We don't get the economic initiatives like Dr. King with Operation Breadbasket. We don't get the complementary, you know, opposites and differences of approach where people had these understandings. It's more sophisticated understanding of how to make progress occur. And I ask you particularly because you're in one of these positions that I always argue is one of the harder positions. People will approach people who have uh, positions like yours and think that they're on the front line because they're outside. And I've been in both situations and I tell people all the time, it's far more difficult, especially as an African-American who cares, who has an understanding of things like policy and strategy and really wants things to be better for all people. It's very difficult when you have to deal with it from both ends. 
you're dealing with some of the misinformation and victims of, of misinformation and propaganda that your own people are subjected to. And you're dealing with other people who don't even want you in certain spaces or to value your voice because you're a black and a woman. I always say that's the front line to me. And you have to be like 10 times more poised and restrained in your speech. And that's why whenever I get these people in conversation, I'm like, talk to me about how you, how you navigate these realities. Cause that's what we need more of. Cause we're dumping it on a small amount of people who have to do a lot of burdening, burden bearing for a larger group. So what's that like? Uh, so I think one, uh, the biggest thing is I remember why I'm in it in the first place. Right. So, and I, I mentioned, you know, towards the top that one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I find an honor and privilege to serve our senior community. Um, and I am from the Philadelphia area. I cannot claim Philadelphia. I grew up in South Jersey. <laughs> I was going to say, what high school? What high school? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, so uh, half my life I grew in Willingboro, um, okay. and then other half of my life in Washington Township, which is in Gloucester County. Gotcha. Um, so, but my mom grew up in Philly. You know, I went to, to you know, worship with my grandmother at Deliverance Evangelistic. Uh, back when it was originally in the... Uh, uh, in an old theater before they moved to where they are right now. Um, and, you know, was there when, you know, moved into the new building. Um, and I watched my grandmother and my aunt's age in Philadelphia. Mm. Um, and so that is always top of mind for me around the why. Um, and so, you know, when we support our seniors in the ways that we do, um, uh, when we provide, uh, Medicare Advantage plans that, um, can provide transportation, can provide groceries, can um, make sure you have zero dollar PCP visits um, that you know offer the largest network of doctors and hospitals in the area. Um, all of that is really important to me because I relate that back to the experiences that my grandmother and then my mother and my aunts have to this day um, and interacting with the healthcare system um, and how important it is that you have a plan that supports you um, as you age, because, you know, you might eight, turn 65 and be spry and healthy and go into the gym. Mm -hmm. By the time you're 85, that might ne not necessarily be the case. Mm. And lastly, I know we got to close out soon, but I wanted to make sure I always uh, talk about that, that human component. We started by talking about my AAR peeps, which you serve so, yeah. so diligently. <laughs> but I also want to be mindful of some of the young people who are listening because they don't have a choice because it's not their car and their radio. <laughs> no, but seriously, there are people who are hearing this interview, <laughs> right? And, and I've been there too, right? And, and I want them to know that we see them and we hear them. And I would love to know from you, who or when did you realize that what you're doing now was possible? Because I think there's so much about the inspiration of our young people comes from people really believing in them and then believing in themselves. So there weren't people in these positions to this extent when you were younger. So we're, you know, you talked a little bit about faith, but we're talking literally about seeing things that yeah. aren't as though they were. Talk to me about those moments or that experience or those role models or mentors in your family or otherwise who really yeah. helped you to see you can do this. Yeah. So I think it does start with family. Um, and I have to correlate that with faith. Um, I, you know, do come from uh, a, a family that included uh, ministers and others that were leaders in their mm -hmm. community. Um, and so seeing how they were able to, um, stand in front of, you know, uh, a, a large group of folks and, um, command a room and have something important to say and provide meaning and make a difference. Um, and how important that was to them that they dedicated their life to it. 
um, also come from a family of te- teachers. Um, and Lord knows there are some <laughs> underpaid, oh, underpaid, underappreciated <laughs> folks. Um, but really believed in the value of education um, and that education started at home. Um, and so, you know, they never set any limits on us. And by us, I mean my, me and my sister, my cousins, um, you know, fa- friends that came over. Um, they never set any limits on us. Or if we said, I want to be president of the United States one day, no one ever said, no, you never had a black president. This was way before there was mm-hmm. Obama. <laughs> There's no, you never had a black president. They said, oh, baby, that's wonderful. Let me tell you, let's talk about how you, you you get there, right? My my dad would turn on, this is, again, I am dating myself. We didn't have MSNBC and CNN and all that then. We, you know, we'd watch Tony Brown's Journal. Tony Brown's Glock, Journal. And a McLaughlin group on PBS and Black Enterprise. A little like it is too, right? Like it is, Gil Noble, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> no, I'm with you, I'm with you. <laughs> um, um, and, you know, that that support, that having a support system that believes in you um, allows you to believe that no matter what room you go in, you have something of value to provide. Now, I'm so thankful that you were able to, to give the, those words. And I really want to make sure we can replicate. You know, we always celebrate greatness, but we don't emphasize enough our potential to replicate it. So I thank you for what you do. Lastly, just to close out with the business, if people want to know more, right? And people want to sign up, tell me all the websites and everything they need to do. Yeah. So for the seniors that might be driving in the car or the daughters or sons that might be supporting mom and dad, this is the final week of our annual enrollment period to sign up for a Medicare plan. It ends on 12-7. You do still have time. If you have questions, if you have concerns, if you feel like maybe your plan is not the right plan for you, you can either go to ibxmedicare.com. That's ibxmedicare.com. Or you can give us a call at 1-800-303-0656. 1-800-303-0656. Oh, thank you so much for sharing the information and thank you for all you do. I mean, I, I'm sure it's not the most um, celebrated position, but, you know, it's important sometimes <laughs> just to, to thank people for, for what, they're, what they're doing for for the people. It's, there's more than I just, know. you know, fiery rhetoric. You know, people love a good speech, but other people got to get to work while other people are, <laughs> are rallying everybody up, you know, so both and strategy. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Take care. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com.